welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, former chronic illness sufferer turned trusted health practitioner. My passion is helping people to identify and address the root causes of their symptoms through my online business, Viva Natural Health. If you're struggling with confusing or stubborn symptoms that just won't go away despite your best efforts, then you're in the right place. If I can heal from a long list of symptoms and conditions, including cystic acne, hair loss, severe food reactions, and brain fog, then you can heal too. Stay tuned for weekly episodes that share expert guest interviews, Q&A, and solo episodes that are all intended to help you wherever you're at on your healing journey. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only, and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. As you can see from the title, in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing different things that I've changed my mind about over the last few years, because who I am as a person and practitioner now is completely different to who I was even just like two, three years ago. And again, even before I graduated college to become a practitioner from my teenage years. So I'm putting it from when I started in the health world, um, but definitely before I became a practitioner, my thoughts and my beliefs then, um, how that changed throughout college. And then, yeah, even over the past few years, some new insights and shifts have changed my mind on certain things. And I think it's a sign of being a good person and a good practitioner, especially when you're open to change learn new things and not being scared of changing your mind and telling people either what you thought was true isn't or what you used to believe is no longer what you believe now it's a sign of strength in my opinion so today's episode there's going to be like different categories but the main ones are fitness stuff diet and nutrition work related things and mindset in general so let's get into it so I wanted to start on the fitness thing because if you have heard my journey Part of the reason that I developed a lot of health issues is because I went through a phase of over-exercising. So my mindset now around workouts is very different. And I might even do a separate episode on this because I have a lot to say. But I used to think that I would only have a good workout if I was in the gym for a minimum an hour, five, six, seven times a week. And I came out exhausted and sweating and could hardly stand up. Whereas now I know I was asking for adrenal issues, thyroid issues and missing periods because I also wasn't eating enough. So I now train and exercise because I love my body. So I support my body and because I want it to support my menstrual cycle and my hormones. Whereas before I was trying to just focus on lose weight. So I no longer think of exercise as trying to lose weight. And there is a side benefit of looking a bit more defined and leaned and toned if that's what you want but I do it more for even the mental strength side of things so that has completely changed definitely since I was like 17 18 19 when I was really overdoing it I am still very active and the only time that I haven't been active is when I was struggling with real health issues and fatigue I tried to just do yoga a few times a week and go for little walks but I just didn't have the energy to do that even And before I was very like cardio focused, I did a lot of classes, a lot of group stuff, which isn't the problem, but it's more that I was trying to like keep up with everyone else. Whereas now I just focus on myself. And if I need to rest in a class, even if it's like Pilates or something, and there's an 80 year old next to me 
splash in it, I will still take a rest because I want to listen to my body. And I no longer think that I need to be in the gym for an hour. I could be in there for 20 minutes or I might not even be at the gym. I might just go for a walk. So I focus on switching it up. I love routine now. Whereas before, for some reason, I thought I just had to be in one category, whether I was a runner or I did like CrossFit or I did strength training at the gym. I didn't like really think that I could be multiple things. And I love to label myself with diet as well. I was paleo. I was grain free. I was gluten free. I was dairy free. Um, I was low FODMAP. I was low histamine. Whereas now I'm like, I just eat for my body. And there's little inspiration that I take from certain things because I might do a little bit better with some lower histamine foods or slightly lower carb. and maybe the next person, but I don't want to define myself with labels anymore. And another thing is I changed my mind on Pilates. I I've done yoga for a while and then I got out of love with that because it was really affecting my joints and my knees um, because of my joint inflammation. I, I struggled with, I think, some degree of hypermobility, Ehlers-Danlos, which is common with muscle activation and POTS, so the, the dizziness issues and everything that I get, it's that common triad, they'll often go together, but um, yeah, not to get too deep into that. But doing too much yoga was actually stressing my joints and was giving me a lot of joint pain. It wasn't just the yoga, but it was because my body was just so chronically inflamed. And then I really went the other way and I thought anything that's too slow, I didn't like. I would even do a yoga class and before the shavasana at the end, the little rest moment, I would leave. I'd be like, right, I want to continue on in the gym and do some extra like leg presses or something. And then I, I was just never drawn to Pilates. I must have done a few classes I just didn't enjoy I just thought it was all like a bit too core focused and maybe it was just that I wasn't good at it that I I didn't prioritize it too much but recently I have loved Pilates and it's probably like my favorite exercise I think reformer Pilates sparked my love because that is like stretching in the, the core aspect which I do do enjoy and I think it works for my body type quite well but it's also a lower impact option and the reformer machines, if you've seen them, they're kind of like a strength machine as well. It's like weight training and yoga combined. And I've been doing even mat Pilates, which was the one that I wasn't a fan of. And I think I've just found a really good teacher now who's local to me. And I just love her classes. And I, it's my favorite exercise. And I've been doing less strength training, still some, um, on the weights at the gym, because I've always loved that. And for me, um, strength training really helps with my metabolic tendencies that I'm prone to, keeping my insulin, blood sugar stable, all of that good stuff. But yeah, I just like to switch it up now. Pilates is amazing. I love it. I changed my mind on that. I used to be like, that's so boring. Um, but no, it's my fave. Then in the nutrition side of things, there's so many here. And these are just the ones that I remember, but there could be more. I used to think that carbs and dairy products were the devil. I thought that everyone should be dairy-free. I thought that carbohydrates would make you fat and um, are the, the biggest driver of metabolic issues. You're just eating too many sweet potatoes, even the healthy stuff, fruit. But now I, I'm not like pro-carb, but every meal has to have a ton of carbs because there's bioindividuality with that. And same with dairy. I think it is a good sign of good gut health, good immune strength if you can tolerate dairy, different forms can be um, better tolerated to different people. You might do 
okay with fermented dairy, but not really a big glass of pasteurized milk, that's fine because that's not a real whole food. If you're um, really looking deep into it, raw milk is what nature intended. So if we pasteurize it, then that's changing the compound structure and our body doesn't recognize it as much. So with my clients, I used to put a lot of clients on dairy-free diets, definitely at college that was promoted to us that dairy is high in like these growth factors and hormone disruptors and everything. But actually other foods like non-organic red meats could be more estrogenic than dairy products. And if someone is directing to dairy, then it's probably a deeper problem like CBIL, parasites, um, poor digestive enzyme production, all of that. So I try to keep clients on dairy as much as possible. There's still a time and a place for removing it when I think that they have a problem. They have like really bad um, fungal overgrowth or sinus issues or IBS that I might cut out temporarily, always with the goal though of introducing it back in. If you can, some people do have long-term sensitivities though. And then with carbs, for myself, I did feel better on a low-carb diet, like quite low-carb, never fully keto for a long time. But I then realized that it was these other things that were making me carb sensitive. So the fact that I had yeast overgrowth, fungal overgrowth, I was exposed to mold. I had mineral imbalances that were affecting my body using the carbs properly. I had to work on all of that stuff instead. And now the carbs are fine. I used to think that I need to eat a million different vegetables on a daily basis. There's still, I think it's Dr. Tim Spector. He's very much into eating I think about 20 different plant foods a day but I I don't think it's that necessary honestly I know that the 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 impacts of gut microbiome on health is major like no denying that but I think we just need to chill out a little bit with the diet stuff honestly Um, we're never going to be able to get all of our nutrients from food anyway so why hyper focus and make it like our full-time job to make sure that we're getting coriander at breakfast and this cucumber at lunch and this like plant matter with dinner and like five different vegetables it's just a bit excessive in my opinion and especially if you have digestive and microbiome imbalances like so many people do all of that fiber and plant matter is just not going to be that great for you because bacteria loves fiber and if you have SIBO bacterial overgrowths all of that plant matter is just going to make your symptoms worse so vegetables are still important i'm not completely like opposite where it's like carnivore no plants are needed i am very much like in between we need our meats our animal products and our plants to be healthy in my opinion but i definitely used to really overdo the plants and it could have just been where i was at in my health journey i was just so inflamed and out of whack that they just weren't benefiting maybe if i add them in now I'll feel a million times better than I do, but I already feel great. So I don't need to like add another million things on my to-do list on my plate to feel even better. But who knows? Might change my mind again on some of these things. I also used to think that we had to avoid all refined sugars and seed oils, never eat them. Um, I thought red meat was inflammatory. I thought everyone needed to be on like a paleo style diet. So cutting out beans and grains um and i think some spots some styles of paleo are dairy free as well so i don't agree with that i'm much more open to people's tolerances and preferences and i know that some people do better on slightly lower animal protein and do better on more like beans and legumes instead but 
I don't believe it to be true that someone can be totally healthy without any animal products like fish or eggs or dairy. And that's just my opinion at the moment. Um, And then with things like seed oils and sugar, if something had like canola oil or white sugar in there, I would pretty much avoid it completely. Whereas now I am in a much more balanced state because of what I've been through with my diet restrictions, my limitations, my sensitivities. Having been down to 10 foods at one point, I am now just happy and grateful and excited to have more options at this point. I even bought a loaf of, um, it was organic sourdough, it was gluten-free and good quality. I shared it on Instagram and someone messaged me, oh, it has rapeseed oil in though with like a crying face. And I was like, it's the, one of the last ingredients. The rest of it is pretty good to find like a quality sourdough, gluten-free and organic. It tastes good and it's so much better than the junk on the supermarket shelves that are gluten-free. So I don't mind. It's not like I'm cooking all of my meals in vegetable oil. I am very mindful, but it's pretty much impossible to avoid it completely. If you're trying to live a normal-ish life, we have to be a little bit more mindful of our food in this modern world if you want to be healthy. Unfortunately, it's not the easiest thing to go out to the high street and find something to eat, but it can be done. It just takes a little bit more effort. And once you know the the types of things that are out there, then it, it gets a lot easier. But before I was bordering on the orthorexia um, line were at first it was because I wanted to lose weight and be really lean and then it became I was actually like concerned about my health and I thought that eating rapeseed oil would give me cystic acne or having a little bit of refined sugar would feed the parasites and not get them out of my body so (laughs) I really calmed down and actually Clearing those infections has calmed my nervous system down as well, which is something that I don't hear people talking about as much. Everyone's now like, it's your nervous system, it's your mindset that's the thing. But my nervous system couldn't calm down until the parasites were addressed and the mold was addressed. So there's a two-directional approach that needs to be done. I also thought that people needed to avoid caffeine completely, that coffee was a bad thing. Maybe that was some sort of training or education that I had at some point, but There's a big spectrum with coffee, I've come to learn. The quality, when you're eating it, what you're drinking it with, that makes a big difference. So it's all about the timing, having it after meals and having some food in your stomach. Are you putting artificial sweeteners in there and caramel syrup? Or are you putting in whole raw milk or some, yeah, just some maple syrup or honey instead for sweetness? And are you having it first thing in the morning before a really intense cardio class? Or are you having it 30 minutes after your lunch just as a, a nice little, um, what are they call digestif, like little aperitif drinks to, to get you through your afternoon, give you a little bit of an energy boost if you're not feeling great or just because you love the taste. And organic, I recommend things like King Coffee to make sure that it's not contaminated with mold and pesticides, which coffee can be one of the top things that are prone to those things. Um, as is cotton so just having I I just question things a little bit more and just because I was taught something at college or in a seminar that I went to I don't take it as as gold as as facts I always try to prove myself wrong I try to find the opposite argument I've even with the the diet stuff looked into the arguments for pro-vegan diets I've read the China study and watched all of the documentaries and read the plant-based heart disease studies and 
I like to look at it. And then I often find myself falling into the middle ground with a lot of things. Let me ask you a quick question. Where do you want to be in six months time? Do you want to be more energized, feeling comfortable in your skin again, excited for life because you finally started to see improvements with your health? Or do you want to still be frustrated and depressed because you're still struggling with symptoms that are taking over your life and stopping you from living to the full? If you want the first option, you have to do something different. After all, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again and expecting a different result. If you're currently DIYing your health, meaning trying to heal yourself through researching, trial and error, and wasting a lot of money and time in the process, then you could actually be sabotaging your results. Would you try and fix your car yourself if it was broke and you didn't know what was wrong with it? No. So why are you trying to do it all alone when it comes to your the most important thing that we have, which is your health? Trust me, actually asking for help and investing in yourself saves you time, money and a lot of stress in the long run. I know you're probably not getting any answers or support from your doctor. I've been there too. But that's why I created my six month root cause relief package. This one-to-one package offers the highest level of support and transformation because you'd be working closely with me to help identify and address the underlying root causes of your health issues. Even if you're already eating healthily, taking some supplements, there's so much more to healing, so don't feel like you've tried everything. Let me help you figure out what's causing your stubborn symptoms which support and support your body in healing naturally, which in case no one has ever told you, is completely possible. Check out my website, which is linked in the episode show notes for more info. And there's also a link there to book in a free 20 minute enrollment call so that we can chat further about your unique situation and goals and see if it would be a good fit for us to work together. If you've been looking for a sign, this is it. And then another thing was fasting. I used to think that fasting was beneficial for everyone, especially if you're dealing with chronic health issues because of the benefits of autophagy or autophagy, which is where your body and your cells can renew and heal and clear damaged ones. And at the time I was studying, there was a company called Prolon out there. It's probably still around, but that was something that I was really considering doing, but it was just quite expensive at the time. And I thought that that was going to like fix everything, just eating these like bars and shakes for a few days. But knowing what I know now I know that fasting can be beneficial but mainly for men or postmenopausal women and if you're already depleted of energy and nutrients cutting food out more might give you a temporary boost or some relief from digestive symptoms because you're not eating but it's not the food that's the problem and if you introduce that food back in and start eating on a regular basis like a normal human and your symptoms return then that's a sign that you haven't fixed the cause you've just masked it again with something else And I don't think it's possible for you to fast and starve away things like parasites or gut infections or just your body. It can heal itself and it can do miraculous things. But I don't think fasting, especially if you're already depleted or you're a menstruating woman, is the answer. And for gut protocols, I used to, I was told off like the top specialist that fasting between meals was important if I wanted to clear SIBO. And I would really, stress myself out and probably cause a lot of damage by being absolutely starving three four hours after eating my lunch and then not allowing myself to have the food because I 
was convinced that I needed to wait till like six hours before I could eat because they were talking about the migrating multi complex and how the gut needs at least two hours between food to flush through and then you have to give it meal spacing so that your your digestion has time to digest the last meal and I was just getting so worked up about it I, I would just be lied on the couch with zero energy just desperate to eat but feeling like I was doing something wrong if I was to eat something even if my body was crying out for food I just wouldn't eat because I thought that that would stop me getting better or it would cause a SIBO or other problem to return just because I was eating and that is insane and now with my clients if they have something like SIBO I don't listen to that much I, I still want to do the two hours three hours at least without food ideally between meals but if, if someone's hungry if they've had a bad night's sleep or they're about to start the period or they didn't eat enough for whatever reason at breakfast then if you get hungry then eat something but you don't want to be grazing all day long on like little bits of food because that does disrupt your gut motility so it's having a bit of common sense but also just listening to your body and if it's telling you something even if someone else is telling you the top expert or doctor in the world is saying something different you need to listen to yourself and that's something that I didn't do for such a long time I was seeking validation and answers from elsewhere um, my intuition and my guide my inner guidance system was clouded because of the health issues but as I've got healthier that's cleared a little bit and it's become much more reliable um, because my brain could have been telling me you need to eat sugar all day every day but I know that that was not me talking not my true self it was the the yeast overgrowth that I had because of mold so you have to do this intuitive eating as it's known somewhat but you also just can't like eat whatever you want all the time because if you're following a protocol and you're trying to deal with a health issue that might not be the best option so now with my clients who have things like SIBO um we'd want to do some meal spacing and not be eating constantly all day every day but we also need to work on why this happened in the first place that was a big thing that I used to to do with clients I used to think oh perfect like I was identifying some good things like I found that they had SIBO or estrogen dominance or adrenal um like low adrenal function but then I'm like okay perfect so you've got this so let's take some antimicrobials for the SIBO and let's get rid of that bacteria or you have estrogen dominance right great we found that out now let's take some dim or some calcium declucrate or some herbs to, to clear out the excess estrogen or you have adrenal sluggishness low cortisol let's just give you licorice to boost you up but that has really proved not successful long term in a lot of cases there's people who just need to to take a round of antimicrobials and the digestion's fine but a lot of the time it's way more complex than that so before I just used to think that those things were root causes and that was the problem and that's still so much deeper than the conventional doctor is looking but now I see all of those things those examples that I just mentioned as as symptoms of a deeper problem so for example with SIBO if someone has low thyroid function or they have deeper parasite infections they're never going to get rid of the SIBO or if they have adhesions in the gut because of endometriosis surgery or a cesarean c-section then those things could be actually causing the SIBO to reoccur and that's why it, you could take the treatment but it, it might come back because you haven't fixed the actual problem with estrogen dominance, they might be being exposed to something like mold in the environment, which is a, a xenoestrogen, a fake estrogen. 
So you could take some detox, estrogen detox supportive herbs, but if you don't fix the mold exposure, you're constantly breathing in these chemicals, mycotoxins that can act very similar to estrogen, and therefore you're still going to have issues. And then for the adrenal deficiency, the low cortisol, if that person has chronic trauma and their body is on purpose making them depleted and tired for them to like stay safe and rest and recover, and I'm just giving them licorice to, to boost up the, the number on the lab test, then you can see how all of those things are very still very allopathic, very westernized, and very like pill for an ill situation. So I now really look at the root cause. I still give things products that just are a bit of a band-aid, like digestive enzymes to help someone break down their food so that they can put that extra energy to healing and detoxing. There are still products like that, but I am still always working on what is the actual root of the problem. And if we are treating SIBO, let's look deeper. Let's keep asking why. Let's keep going back further and further to see how this happened in the first place to reduce the risk of it happening ongoing. I It ties in, but I used to think the physical aspects are the most important. So what we eat or how much exercise that we're doing. Whereas now I think the emotional, mental and energetic is just as, if not more important than all of that stuff. It's a huge aspect of what I do now. I'm doing further training this year in 2023 on that stuff because I, I came to realise that there were the people out there and I was one of them doing everything right and still struggling. And sometimes that can be because the person actually doesn't want to get better. They don't believe they deserve to get better. They are still struggling with some childhood issues, some emotional blocks, and that's causing them to stay sick and stay in this state of fight and flight mode. And in that state, your body can't heal. So I always look deeper now to this energetic stuff, which some people seem a little bit woo-woo, but I've seen it from my years of experience now. In clinical practice, that stuff can often make the biggest difference. Some people actually need to start with that stuff first before they can change their diet and stick to the diet. If you don't change your your mindset, if you don't change your identity around certain things, you're going to be stuck and it's only going to be short-lived, the results that you get. Previously, I used to do a lot of lab tests too. I learned about these different lab tests in seminars that I've done, um, in trainings, in podcasts and in my college things like hormone testing, stool testing, um, crazy like nutrient profiles. And they're all still good. Like it's great that we have this information available to us and the tests are way more specific and can pick up things that doctor's tests can't. For example, with a stool test, if you get one through your doctor, they're, they're just checking for like the big nasty parasites and bowel disease and cancer, which is, is valid. We want to rule those big nasty things out, but then the stool tests that I use are looking at what's going on in your microbiome, how much stomach acid are you making, are you making enough bile, do you have a yeast overgrowth, do you have other parasites in there? But then I found that all the people who were doing the test had pretty much the similar result. They had inflammation, they had signs of leaky gut, they had low immune systems, they had poor digestive enzymes, and they had dysbiosis. So too many bad guys, not enough good guys maybe some yeast and some parasites thrown in there. So that's a typical, if you're struggling with chronic symptoms, you've been on some antibiotics in your life, you've had some stress, you've been eating not so great at one point or another, that's probably the pattern that you're going to have. And I was finding that these people would pay 300 and odd pounds to do a stool test. 
And then I, I'd be like, great, this is the problem. And then I'd be like, here's the treatment. And they're like, oh, I can't afford that just yet because I've just spent that money, which is understandable. So instead, I often go now based on the health history, what they're telling me. Because if they're struggling with chronic digestive issues, bloats in every day, um, major skin issues, I know that their gut is imp- impacted and is involved. So do I really need to see a 300 pound stool test report to, to confirm that? It, it would be good. And if someone's got like, an endless amount of money then that's available to them if they want to see on paper so i always tell my clients the test that here is an option i know how to do them and interpret them and it can give some extra insight but if it's going to be a toss-up between treatment and actual just seeing what's wrong i'd rather someone actually do the treatment and if you're responding well from that or if you're noticing a change then that's pretty much confirmation that what we're doing is on the right track anyway and you could always have the test as a backup plan later on down the line if you if you've done the basic stuff you've taken some probiotics and some antimicrobials and some enzymes and then in six months you're still symptomatic then we can do a little bit more digging and investigate a bit more if needed but a lot of the times it's not same with hormone tests people used to come to me like i've heard you talk about the dutch test which is this comprehensive hormone urine test and they wanted to do one straight off the bat so i was like great amazing I'm happy that you want to find this information out. So I do a test with them. And then I just find out that, again, similar pattern, probably have some high estrogen levels, low progesterone, but cortisol's a bit wacky, too high or too low. Um, and then we got onto the plan and I'm just going to tell them the same thing anyway. They still need to work on the stress. They still need to work on the sleep. They need to work on balancing their blood sugar. So was it worth doing the test right up front? Probably not it might sometimes be beneficial to have like a before and after look at what's going on. So to see right at the start of the health journey, how things were looking when they felt the worst and then do another test when they're feeling really good after they've been through the pros call. That, that is the benefit of doing that. But otherwise it could be another test to, to turn to if you're really struggling, if you, you're doing the basics, you've done some work with a practitioner and you you really want to look deeper what's going on with your androgens, your melatonin, your new, neurotransmitters, all of that stuff. But it's never, these things are never, especially the expensive ones, things that I start with straight up front. Whereas before it's like, let's do all the tests and figure out what's going on. But that can get pretty pricey. Whereas now I go with health history, experience, clinical experience, just working with many, many patients, uh, many clients these days. And I also use a lot of cheaper testing now. So one of my favorites is the her tissue mineral analysis test, which you probably heard me talk about the HTMA that for the, the price. Um, and it's a her test or so less invasive as well than blood tests or stool tests can tell me about the full body, what's going on all throughout and as long as someone's got her and they're willing to cut it then it can get so much information all across the world the other tests are available pretty much worldwide but this is just like an envelope you send off to the lab and the report can be really fascinating and can give insight into things like your hormone levels your adrenals your inflammation so many different things and then often i just go with some basic blood work that can give a lot of data and insight as well looking at a full blood count um white blood cells red blood cells so that can give you signs of b vitamin deficiencies iron deficiency if there's any infections in the body um looking at your liver enzyme levels if they're too high or too low that can indicate some sort of toxicity or nutrient deficiency um, we can test certain hormones through the blood as well but this all depends on how 
much um, they're willing to pay if it's private. Um, if they're trying to go through the health service, the GP, then they're not always cooperative and willing to test everything. So it can get a little bit tricky and it, it's different person to person. So it depends on what country they're in, how how willing the doctor is to be cooperative and work with us as to how much they're testing or if they're paying completely privately, how much money do they want to spend on that? And some of the panels that I use in the UK for um, clients in the UK can be done at home, like a fingerprint blood test. They can just send it off. So it makes it really like low barriers to entry, really easy to do, especially if they've got chronic fatigue or they've got kids and they can't really drive half an hour to a clinic and get a blood draw or they can't even get an appointment in the first place because doctor's offices are just crazily booked up these days. So yeah, as in summary, um, do, I used to do a lot of lab tests and now I go off some more cheaper tests, a few of them, um, and save the other tests or if we're really stuck and want to find out some more information. And then in terms of regular mindset, I used to have a very masculine approach to life. And I believe that's from ha having lost control with my health stuff and being able to figure that out and get myself healthy and back on track. That really made me more controlling and like no one can help me. So I have to do it all on my own. That put me into a very masculine energy. Oh, God something fell off um and also my mum she is more of a masculine energy in the household as well so I think I just learned from her too which is really common and most women these days are in the masculine energy just in general but in work and in my healing journey it was starting to affect me because I was just constantly on all the time either working physically or just not being able to shut off my brain having be having to be productive 24 7 I felt guilty if I rested and had time off I was just a control freak. I was into that like hustle mentality. Let's just work really hard and yeah, go off into the evening working. And that's like a badge of honor. Whereas now I am way more still working, still work in progress, but more in that feminine energy. So being able to go with the flow a little bit more. I was even saying in my last holiday that I went on my own. Previously, I would have been really controlling like to, my, to my, myself, just we wake up at this time, we're going here, we're doing this, we're doing that. Whereas that holiday, I kind of just, I had a few things planned, but I just showed up and just enjoyed myself. And it was like the best holiday ever. And I'm actually going back there next month. So May, I don't know when this is being released. Maybe May, maybe I'm on holiday now when you're listening to this. But I enjoy the process a little bit more as well, even with work. And if I was on my healing journey again, I was always just wishing for when I was better like I can't do anything until I'm better or I can't go here or do this or see this person until I'm healed and I was just wishing my life away I was just wishing time away so I wish I would have just like I, even though it was challenging and a struggle at times I, I wish I would have just been more in the moment and taken one day at a time and learned to have been a little bit more grateful and accepting of the process rather than just wishing those years away because now I'm on the other side I'm like wow even though I'm grateful to have gone through that that wasn't like what happened during that time it's all a bit of a blur really I think my brain shut off the out of the trauma um and then with work stuff thought I'd throw one of these in even though I've just done a separate business related podcast that might might have come out in the last couple of weeks or the, the next couple of weeks I'll look out for that one it's all about what um how I became a nutritional therapist and some business questions. 
And in um, that one, I, I went a little bit more specific, but something I changed my mind about with work, just to throw one in here, is that I had to find a niche and stick to that. And I think there's some benefit of doing so and you can really become well-known for the one particular thing, whether it's IBS or eczema or this or that. Some people it works really well with. Whereas for my personality, I don't think it does. I am passionate about so many things, not just in the health world, but I like talking about like money stuff and mindset stuff and law of attraction and like talking about fitness and and that side of things and nature. So I don't want to just niche myself down into talking about one thing and just talking about food because I would get so bored with that and I would just not enjoy work and I'd just resent that um, side of things. So I didn't listen to that advice that I was getting from different business things and I preferred to just work in, it's kind of a niche like women's health and there is a typical person that I work with who has like multiple health symptoms some digestive stuff, skin, hormones, but it's not like, they're this age and they have this exact problem and they live in this part of the world. It's it's not like that. So maybe you feel the same, like you were multi-passionate and you're being told to just stick in one lane, but just know that it doesn't have to be that way. You can do whatever you want. Then in um, general as well with work stuff, I used to think for some reason, I think maybe my training again, that I could only get clients results in person. This was only for the very start because I still soon realized that my clients were getting results, whether I saw them in person or not. But we were taught in college to do something called a naturopathic diagnosis. So we would look at someone's tongue, someone's nails, someone's skin. And just being in the energy in person, we could pick up on different things like how they're walking, the body language. Um, we look at the nail beds and the color of the eyes, um, the of the tongue all of this stuff whether it's coated or whether it's shaky and cracked so many things which you can really only do in person and then I, I was a little bit gutted when I was moving away from that because I was like oh I'm gonna miss certain things but even though it's useful it's not crucial and you can still get really good results like my clients do I haven't done that stuff in person with people for years now and I've getting like better and better results every year the more that I learn and have experience and know so they would probably be the main ones that I wanted to share the things that I changed my mind about um yeah there might be more but these are the ones that stuck out to me and yeah just a reminder that it's okay to change your mind on things you can change your, your needs can change your ideas can change as you learn more things as you heal as you grow and evolve so what works for you now might not work for you next month or next year in five years time so stay open stay curious and i'll see you back here for another episode next week i really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did i would love for you to leave me a rating and review on your podcast app as this helps to support the show and it allows it to reach more people with this valuable information come and say hi over on instagram i'm at viva natural health and if you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for tons more free resources and to discover how I could support you further. I currently offer one-on-one -on -one consultation packages if you want my top-level support, then more affordable group programs and self-paced online courses. So there really is something for everyone. 
If you're ready to change and get some answers but aren't sure which option would be best, take that first step today and apply for a free enrollment call on my website and we'll discuss the best steps for you to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you back here next week for another episode.